Greetings, it's Terry at Cottage in the Court. Can you believe we're almost at the end of April? We just celebrated Earth Day. It's Kids Gardening Month. Oh my goodness. And we're still in a state of unintentional pausing. Maybe not as much, but we're still playing it safe. Well, in the midst of playing it safe last year, a a friend of mine released a book. And in my opinion, it was a timely book because who knew that some of us would be learning more than probably what we wanted to know about our children, their quirks, their tics, and about family life. Shannon Brescher Shea wrote a book called Growing Sustainable Together, Practical Resources for Raising Kind, Engaged, Resilient Children. This book came out just as we became sequestered in our homes. I took my time and read through the book, even though I have no little children in my house. It is a very well-written book with tips that anyone can use, whether you're a parent or a grandparent. Allow me to introduce you to Shannon Brescher Shea. How are you doing, Shannon? Excellent. Thanks for asking. So, Shannon, we tell first of all, tell me who you are mm-hmm. and how the past year has made an impression on your young life. Um, I'm Shannon Brusher Shea. I um, live in the Maryland suburbs of Washington, D.C. Uh, I'm a mom of two kids, um, ages five and seven, just turned five. And um, the last year has been very hard in many ways. Um, You know, being with the same three people 24 hours a day um, has been uh, rough. We have been able to see my parents. My parents have been part of our pod, thankfully the only people in our pod. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they've been willing to, and they've gotten very close to my, my parents, which is nice. But there's also been a lot of really um, amazing special moments with my kids. I have a really long commute normally. And so working from home has allowed me to spend lunch with them, be there right after I'm done with work. And we've spent a lot of time outside, a lot of time hiking, a lot, a lot of time exploring places close to home that we wouldn't have seen otherwise, um, like our local nature center and really getting to know areas very intimately in ways that we might not have been able to otherwise, including our own yard. Mm -hmm. Um, We've gone around our yard identifying plants. Um, We've now made dandelion jelly twice because we pulled so many dandelions from our yard um, and uh, made it last year and then just made it again this year, like a week Mm ago. Um, And we spent a lot of time in our garden. We uh, redid it so that hopefully the deer won't eat it this year. We, oh, we, wow. we did our whole fence so oh wow so this I like to call it the period of unintentional pausing yes it gave you a chance to kind of regroup yeah 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 
And I'm sure it also gave you an opportunity to, um, I don't know, use lessons from your book, mm-hmm. Growing Sustainable Together, Practical Resources for Raising Kind, Engaging Resilient Children. Tell me about that title. Yeah, so um, I've always been very into environmental issues ever since I was a kid. Um, I fell in love with manatees as a little kid and have always been really interested. And I knew when I became a mom that I wanted to pass on these lessons to my kids. And I also knew I wanted to continue to do environmental activities because that's what I did. It wasn't something, it wasn't part of my identity I could strip away as a mom. That was just part of who I am and part of who I would always be. And so I had this dilemma of, you know, am I, you know, the sort of eco or green guilt on one side? Am I doing enough? Am I, you know, composting enough or like not making too much waste or going to enough climate change protests. And then of course the ever present mom guilt that our society kind of imposes on us, which implies, oh, you're not spending enough time with your kids. You're not doing the right things when you're spending time with your kids. The, you know, um, you're, you're not being patient enough. You're not enough. And so I had both of these, both competing and both making me feel terrible. Um, and then I kind of realized one day that you know, the things that I was so concerned about on the green guilt side were the things that were going to help me alleviate in some ways the mom guilt side that the there didn't need to be a competition between being involved in these environmental things and being a good mom and teaching my kids the values that I wanted to teach them. In fact, those environmental activities taught my kids those values I wanted to teach them. Not just the environmental ones, but also how to be a good person, how to be kind and responsible and connected to your community and um, independent. All these things that we want our children to grow up to be, to be good citizens in the world, environmental activities um, can teach you that. And it's not just about, you know, um, when you talk about environmental activities, it's not just about, you know, buying organic at the grocery store. It's Mm -hmm. rethinking our place in these entire systems. How do we get ourselves around transportation wise? How do we walk in bike places or take public transit instead? How do we um, engage age in our local neighborhoods and communities by um, volunteering outside or by taking a stand in our local government and participating in activism and ag- advocacy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not just a, what product do I switch out? It's mm-hmm. how do I rethink the products I use altogether? Um, and if I need them at all, or you know how are, are placed in these larger systems. Mm-hmm. And I realized that's the sort of things I wanted to teach my kids and it was important to teach my kids. And I hoped other people could too. Was it hard for them to understand where you were coming from? Um, in a lot of ways, kids know what they grow up with. Mm-hmm. What you grow up with is normal to you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you hear a lot of people being like, oh, I thought everybody did that. Um, and in a lot of ways, doing green efforts and perhaps more importantly, talking about them and providing that wider context as to why we do it mm-hmm. um, is always been part of their lives. I've always wanted to say, this is why we're doing it. This is not just the how or the, this is just a thing my parents did and I don't know why, but the fact that it's all connected to these larger um, 
systems, these larger problems. And as my kids have gotten older, they've gotten a better and better understanding of what that means. Um, and sometimes these lessons sink in and you don't even realize it until your kid says something and then you're like, oh, oh, it actually, we're paying attention. Mm -hmm. um, a while back we were, I think, riding bike, riding our bikes to the swim center um, a couple of years ago. And my older son, who's now seven, who I think was five at the time, um, was like, hey, we're not making any pollution. I'm like, and he's like, because we're riding our bikes. I'm like, you're right, we're not. And I wasn't thinking about that at all at the time. I was thinking about whether the light was going to turn red soon, you know. Oh, wow. He, he brought it up on his own. Um, and so I think if it's not a one and done conversation, if we weave these things throughout our lives mm -hmm. where, you know, we talk about how the things we do impact other people and why we choose to do them, we choose to do them because they can, you know, we can harm people less or we can help people more they start to understand their role in that mm -hmm. and understand in a healthy way, hopefully not in a shame-based or a guilt-based way, mm -hmm. but in a, this is, this is just what we do and this is who we are kind of way. And I think that permeates their thinking, um, even for younger kids and then, and then they grow into it more and you can explain more and you can give more details as they get older. Mm -hmm. One, one chapter that um, I found quite interesting in your book Mm -hmm. It's on connecting kindness and sustainability of all kinds. Mm -hmm. Share that. Expound on that a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I, before I wrote the book, I wrote a blog, and I still write a blog, called We'll Eat You Up, We Love You So, which draws this title from uh, Marie Sendak's classic, Where the Wild Things Are. And a theme I kept hearing from people over and over again is we want to teach our kids kindness. Mm-hmm. And at least to me, kindness is radically different from niceness. Niceness mm -hmm. is following the rules, being polite, doing what you're told. Um, and kindness can be, not everybody uses it this way, but I choose to use it this way, um, all about radical love and um, inclusion and making systems that are radically loving and um, inclusion and making sure that those systems are not hurting people, you know, um, and are not, especially aren't hurting the most marginalized people. Mm -hmm. And real sustainability needs to include not just environmental sustainability, you know, what are you doing to the plants and animals, but how the people who live in this earth, who are all of our neighbors, um, are being treated. And that's, you know, it's got the social sustainability part, which is where you get into social justice and centering people who have been the most hurt and have suffered the most under environmental injustice. Um, and taking all of that into account, not just, you know, um, the the who is being affected by this, not just how much do you garbage do you throw out or how much water do you waste or how much pollution mm -hmm. do you make, who is being affected by all of those mm -hmm. things. Because the we're all affected by, by mm -hmm. the actions of a few. Yeah. And it can make or break our lives, you know. Mm -hmm. I have one of my favorite sweatshirts. The the slogan on it says, be kind. And mm -hmm. I take that seriously. I think that's why that mm -hmm. chapter jumped out at me. Um, how do you build resilience through the hard challenges? Like from last year, it was hard for a lot of parents. Yeah. yeah. How did you build resilience in your children? Um, part of it is finding ways to model it for yourself. And I think one of the most powerful ways to model it is figure out what your needs are 
and find way and what the people around you's needs are and find ways to meet them in mutual ways. So I have always very much thrived on novelty and like going out and doing stuff every weekend. So the thought of being stuck in my house for God knows how long was terrifying at first. Mm -hmm. And I realized I needed to at least get outside every day, no matter what I needed to get exercise. I started running every other day because I wasn't taking my walk to the, my walk or bike ride to the Metro. Um, and then talking to my kids about why I was doing those things saying, mm -hmm. I need to do this so that I can stay calm. Mm -hmm. so that I can be grounded. So I'm not getting anxious and wanting to like yell at everybody um, when we're all, of, all over each other. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think finding those needs, modeling them for your kids and helping them figure out what their needs are um, and how to meet them is really important. Um, in terms of the challenges, uh, some of the things I talk about in my book, for example, I, I talk about with gardening. Um, gardening builds resilience really well because it's a time you don't, something you don't have control over. Yeah. Um, one of the hardest things in life for me as a control freak and <laughs> for at least my older son as well is the sense of not having control and learning to accept that in situations when you have to, because there's always going to be situations you don't have control over. And gardening, you just kind of have to have faith. And when mm -hmm. things don't work out, you try again, or you go, oh, well, yep. that's how it is. Mm -hmm. um, you know, last year, we've had a continuous problem with deer in our garden who come and I thought deer wouldn't like tomatoes. They're related to nightshade, but they love our tomatoes for some reason mm -hmm. and just destroyed them. And um, cherry tomatoes are the one thing, my older son loves a lot, of, a lot of the stuff in the garden, but he loves cherry tomatoes, just eating them straight off the plant. And we got like, we usually get buckets of them. We got like six last year. Like oh my. Six cherry tomatoes. Yeah, we usually get, because the deer just eat them down every year. And he just saw us go, okay, well, I guess this is the year we really have to replace the fence, you know? Right. And right. we don't make, you know, we're sad about it. We're not going to hide our feelings. We're not going to pretend that we're not disappointed, but we reframe it and we figure out how to solve the problem and move on. And the more we can model meeting those needs, problem solving, finding mutual compromises, benefits, all that sort of thing, um, and then allowing our kids to fail. Mm -hmm. um, in safe ways, fail in safe ways, um, the more we can build resilience. Mm -hmm. The art of gardening is mm -hmm. an act of faith. Yes. Yes, very much. And so. it's one of the best things you can teach a child. Mm -hmm. So getting dirty while doing good, how, how do you help your children do that? Yeah. Um, so my kids are very much outdoors kids. Um, they, it's been shown that children are calmer. Um, they're more able to focus out when they have had outdoors time. And it's especially true of kids who may have challenges in the classroom otherwise, who may have uh, ADHD or other or otherwise, you know, um, neurodivergent because it can calm the senses. It can provide the sensory input that a lot of kids need. Um, it's a chance to get outside and run around, whether you're walking or biking somewhere or you're gardening or you're um, volunteering. 
And then in terms of the, the doing good part, you know, um, gardening provides this amazing connection to community. If your yard is visible, um, my kids are a walking, talking advertisement for gardening. They've invited kids over. We live across the street from a park where, that we go to like all the time. And on the way back, when it's like getting dark, they've been like, come look at our garden, have some tomatoes. Oh. And the parents are like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me um, about your garden. How big is your okay, garden? Yeah. Um, oh goodness, we just, we expanded it a little bit. I think it's, it's not really that big. It's like, I think it's 10 or 11 feet across by like 15-ish, 15, 16 feet. I don't remember exactly. We managed to pack a lot in there. Mm -hmm. um, we do what's called lasagna gardening, where you do um, layers of organic matter. Mm -hmm. So we use, um, compost for our compost. We put down uh, cardboard to start with to block the weeds. And then we use compost for our composter and um, newspapers and straw. We buy like a big bale of straw for as decorative straw for uh, Halloween. And then we use it in our garden. And then we collect leaves. We actually live next to, of all places, a cemetery. And we go and rake leaves at the cemetery. And I mean, it helps them. They, there's fewer leaves they got to rake. Right. Um, we drag them over to our garden. And then we also have started using, um, we have a bunny rabbit. So we've started using his, uh, his his litter which mm -hmm. is actually working i've had more success starting seeds this year than ever so i'm thank you hoppity for your funny poop <laughs> um, his name is hoppy hoppity 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 <laughs> yes uh, my my older son uh named him so do the he's kids a, a bunny get fanatic he's a bunny fanatic do oh, the yes. children get in there and mm -hmm. really get into the garden or do they let mom do it and watch um, it depends on the day. Um, most of the time, like I really involve them with planting seeds. Um, sometimes they really want to water it. Um, sometimes I won't let them water it because instead of filling their bucket, they just spray each other with the hose. And at some point I'm like, nope, you're done for the day. Uh, you, you, you sprayed your brother when you told him to stop and that's you know, natural consequence, either yep. you got wet or you get to stop or you don't have hose privileges anymore. That's right. that. Um, but most of the time they're really enthusiastic. Sometimes I'm like, hey, do you want to help? And they're like, no. I'm like, okay, that's fine. And mm -hmm. they'll come back another time. Um, right. So it's, you know, they get, it's like anything with kids. Some days they're excited and some days they're not, but mm -hmm. I'd say more often than not, they're, they're excited. And I try to bite my tongue a little if they're doing stuff that's not the way I would want to do it but it's still okay you know mm -hmm. like I'm not going to let them step on stuff if I can avoid it mm -hmm. um, if it's an accident that's different right. but like um we were planting Dylan got very excited about planting carrots for hoppity um and then spilled like half the carrot the bag of carrot seeds uh and I'm like okay it's okay we'll just <laughs> We'll thin them out when they come out and it came up like grass. I swear, like I've never seen more carrot seedlings in my life. So we've been picking them and um and and replanting where we can and feeding the rest of Hoppity. So, you know, just rolling with it, you know. Yeah. yeah. What Not else have you put fussy. in this year? Um, we've put in carrots, we've put in peas, we've put in broccoli. Uh I planted squash but apparently it was way too early I didn't know your soil is supposed to be like 70 degrees because I forgot to read the back of the seed packet yeah so I'm like they'll get maybe they'll sprout when it gets warm maybe yeah. they won't maybe we'll just have to replant it's fine we have plenty right. um 
And then we uh, start seeds ahead of time for uh, tomatoes, basil, and like we've got like four kinds of peppers this year because my younger son really loves peppers. He he is very excited about growing jalapenos. Oh wow! You know, a five-year-old who is like, yeah. I'm going to eat all the jalapenos. I'm like, okay, I don't want them. Wow. You can have them. <laughs> Well, that's a good thing. We have a couple of kids who have started just showing up at our house, which I love. I love that it's the side of the neighborhood that you can knock on a kid's door and be like, hey, can so-and-so come out to play? Mm -hmm. um, and they, they seem intrigued. I think the idea that you can like go to your backyard and get food is like, whoa, what is this? Um, and we have blueberry bushes and we've started growing strawberry plants on the side and we have pear tree that finally flowered this year. So maybe we'll get pears. I think oh, that'll nice. be really exciting to them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's like a sustainable harvest right in your own backyard. Yeah, that's what we're hoping for. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. going to be cool. So, it, you know, I hate the 30-day rule. It's a month for everything. How would you advise parents that are going into year two mm -hmm. of a semi-unintentional period of pausing how would you advise other parents to really just engage their children mm -hmm. in gardening? Yeah. Um, start from the beginning. Um, involve them in the planning. My kids love looking through the seed catalog. Um, we get a Southern Exposure Seed Exchange seed catalog, which has these cute little gnomes on the cover mm -hmm. and these beautiful, bright, photographs of all the different kinds of things and these really cool descriptions of like who came like who created this seed like um this this not a uh, category but this seed variety and mm -hmm. where it came from and we go through the catalog and we pick out together what kinds of plants we want to grow this year what varieties we want to grow um starting seeds with kids is super fun i use you know uh, the real fluffy seed starter and then get it really wet so it becomes like mud and the kids love doing that with their hands yep. and then putting it in the the pots and you know just putting a little bit in and covering it up like you're I, I tell them it's like tucking the seed into bed just a little tiny blanket of oh. uh of soil over the top so you know they don't get they don't get suffocated yeah oh that's um, so cool and they love all of that and I think the earlier you involve your kids and the more you trust them and sort of follow their lead the more they're going to feel like it's exciting and not a chore mm -hmm. um and then if they don't want to do it that's fine too just but keep inviting them right. don't have them say no once then never do it again just mm -hmm. offer it out there you know mm -hmm. like keeping that door open exactly opportunity yeah mm -hmm. so why did you write this book of all the things you could write about why um, I feel like it brings together so many of, like I said, I've been into environmental issues for a really long time. I've been a parenting blogger since my uh, older son was born. So now uh, more than seven years. And um, I mean, I'm very passionate about social justice issues as well. And this connected, I felt like everything I sort of had an intuition about and had learned via my own experience, and then was able to find further evidence for that from other experts, other people with sort of learned experience, and then even the social science literature. My background is in um, my uh, 
my graduate degree is in social science and communication. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to find a lot of really interesting scientific journals that I try to make really simple and understandable and approachable as possible that most people would never go reading these academic journals right. um, to get the the really good stuff out of them about how people can apply it to their everyday lives. So it pulled together a lot of different areas of my own life. And it was something I'd never seen anybody else write about that I felt like I was somewhat uniquely oriented to write about um, because there's not a lot of people at the intersection of those three things. Mm -hmm. I see some people do, you know, a lot of people doing sustainability. Um, obviously, a lot of people doing social justice, a lot of increasing, thankfully increasing number of people doing both, but mm. not a lot of people doing all both of those and parenting. Right. Um, so I felt like I had a unique contribution in that space. Yeah, well, the book is good. We met last year at the We So We Grow conference. Mm -hmm. And um, you sent me your book, and I want to say thank you. And I really had to take my time. I'm a grandmother, but I had to take my time going through the book, because it's like, you know, a lot of this I did with my own daughters mm -hmm. many moons ago. Yeah. But here you are, I'm sure half my age and probably less than half my age. And you have applied the same things in practical language for anyone to understand. It's a needed book, especially in today's world. Thank you. Yeah, that's that was my hope. Yeah, yeah. So I have to ask, you are planting some flowers for the pollinators, right? Um, we don't do a lot of flowers. I keep trying to plant wildflowers on the side and they never take. I don't know why, like my yard hates, like it's planted wildflowers. We have dandelions and wild violets <laughs> and clover up the wazoo. Like 90% of my yard is weed and many of those weeds are flowering weeds. So <laughs> I don't really need to plant them, but um, but yeah, no, we have, we have, I sit out, um, one of the nice things about working from home is when it's nice out, I can go sit out on our deck and I can hear the bees like buzzing around nice. all these cute little, you know, those fat bumblebees. Yeah. So, yeah, so they're all, they already know that you're there. The pollinators do. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 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 We, we've got to increase our, our, our um, planting. Oh, yeah. So I always ask people and if anyone needs milkweed seed, I have some. So, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, I want to say thank you for sharing um, this book with me. Yeah. Thank you for making your children resilient and conscious children, not just children running amok. <laughs> it means a lot. We have enough of those already. Yeah. And it, it's really meaningful to see um, someone concerned about making their children better. Mm. You know, that, that really says yeah. a lot. Is there anything that you want to tell other young parents about engaging their children in the care and feeding of our earth? Yeah, um, I think all of us want to raise kind, engaged kids, but kids are really good at noticing when you are not living up to your values. And the biggest thing you can do is to model that and to really live those values and tell your kids, like I said, explain the why, explain the bigger context. Um, but if you say you want to be kind to everyone and then you really emphasize more than anything else that your kids are only worth their grades or mm -hmm. only worth the kind of college they're going to get into, 
mm-hmm. or you um, show through your actions that you are more concerned about them than anyone else and you are willing to trample over other people for their quote unquote success, they are not going to learn to be kind, engaged kids who care about the earth or anyone else. Mm-hmm. You have to really make an effort to to be conscience, conscious and to, to live that and to have it integrated through your life. It's not a one and done conversation. It's not a just an Earth Day thing. It's a, a thing that kind of helps us all rethink our basic values and our basic you know assumptions and our basic place in the world. And I think that's really the biggest thing is thinking about what place do you want you and your kids to live in the world and what are the steps you can get to get there you know small steps are really important but don't stop with them keep Mm -hmm. making those small steps forward and forward and forward because they are in everyday things Mm -hmm. yeah they really are i know your parents are proud of you (laughs) and they should be they really should be so we're going to chat again um maybe this fall and we'll see how your garden has grown Mm-hmm. And um, what new lessons that you've taught your children? Because I don't know, kids gardening is all the time in my world. Mm-hmm. It is. Thank yeah. you so much. Oh, thank you for the opportunity. Well, I hope you enjoyed that chat with Shannon. I really have to say, I am so enamored and impressed with the young people today. They have no problem telling you exactly how they see it. And I see Shannon raising two little boys that are going to be some serious environmental influencers and activists as they grow. All because their mom, their parents, thought it was important enough to train them up the right way. Thank you, Shannon, for sharing a little time with me. You know, we always have this dream of how life is going to be once we become parents. Well, sometimes that dream is not always what we imagined it would be. But Langston Hughes wrote a poem called Dreams. Hold fast to dreams, for if dreams die, life is a broken-winged bird that cannot fly. Hold fast to dreams, for when dreams go, life is a barren field frozen with snow. That was Langston Hughes back in the day. Let me tell you, let's make a commitment to instill dreams of growing a sustainable world as we raise our young people today. And it's always a good idea to practice what we're preaching. I'd like to say thank you for continuing to follow me. 
my website, cottageinthecourt.com, Instagram and Twitter, Cottage in Court, Facebook, Cottage in the Court, and sometimes I write on Medium. <laughs>